Everyone just kept telling me to prep for this. One word to describe the Breakfast Club would be black. Impact in the culture. People watch the Breakfast Club for like news and really be tuned in, man. I don't even know what they call it the Breakfast Club. It's like brunch. Envy, Ye, and Charlemagne. Wake that ass up, get out of bed, and listen to the Breakfast Club. I'm waking up. Now. Good morning, USA. Yo, 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. It's Tuesday. Yes, it's Tuesday. That's right. What's up? What's happening? Good morning. How y'all feel out there? I feel great, man. I'll be back in tomorrow. My my test came back negative, so I'll be back in tomorrow. You miss me? Um, nah, not really. I heard that anal swab was echoing too this morning. Uh, I was talking to Dramos if you missed me, but you answered, you replied. Oh, okay, okay. But okay, yes, okay. I will be back wow. tomorrow. Today is a good day, man. I'm feel blessed, black, and highly favored. You know, minus the BS, life's great. I, I thought that's how you feel every day. It is. Oh. It is. I mean, that's how I strive to feel. And if I don't feel that way, I wake up and uh, set my intention to try to shift my energy to make myself feel that way you know nothing a little mm-hmm. prayer and a little meditation and some daily affirmations can't solve that's all now let me ask you guys in the room are any of y'all handy like around the house can do things nah nah me neither it depends I, I figured, on what it is I figured nah. that out yesterday so my toilet was running right and I, as a kid I used to see my dad fix the toilet oh no I can do that now nah well I, I bought the piece I went to Home Depot I bought the little piece I was like oh, I'm gonna fix this toilet take, take, take everything off boom and I realized I ain't even got the tools to, to 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 take the thing out the toilet, bro. I mean, listen, that's why I always encourage uh, kids like, you know, trade school is something that we should put an emphasis on because, you know, people aren't as good with their hands as uh, as the generation before us was. Plus, that's a way to always make money. Plumbers always make money. Absolutely. Okay? <laughs> uh, electricians always make money. People who install air conditions always make money. You're right. You know what I mean? But I think my dad called me stupid yesterday because I was I put him on FaceTime. I was like, "Yo, dad, show me how to do it," and he was like, "Well, you need this pool, this tool." I was like, "I ain't got that tool." He was like, "You a man and you don't have no tools?" I was like, "Nope." Yeah, see, and see, my my dad will do stuff like that to me. But my problem with that is like, don't uh, chastise me for what you didn't teach me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't scold me for what you did not teach me. Sir. That's right. I seen right? you do it, but you ain't say, "Son, let me show exactly. you how to do the toilet." Exactly. Somebody had to t- teach you. You ain't yeah. teach me yet. Teach me that. Well, I just yeah. look everything up on YouTube, but I definitely have about five different toolboxes because my dad every year gives me like a toolbox. <laughs> oh well, I need so. to come over and get one, you. So I'm I'm borrowing one. So leave As one. You, you know how my dad treats me. He just. I think growing up, my parents, my dad especially, would always try to make us like fix things around the house and learn how to do things. I'm pretty good at like hooking up electronics and stuff like that, but I've had well, to I'm- fix my toilet. I'm, coming to, here I'm coming to the crib to get some of those tools because I didn't have nothing to fix that damn toilet. Have yesterday. you ever gone and used somebody else's toilet and it broke while you were in there? No, or way, it was, Jose. It was kind of broken, and then you're like, damn, what am I supposed to do? Should I try to fix this? Number one, I would never do nope. too much in somebody else's other to- toilet. I didn't yeah, say do neither. too much, but like you could just go to pee and it's running or it doesn't flush or something happens. Yeah. Oh, they on their own. Yeah, if if I pee and it's still running, they on their own. You on your, hey, hey, you got to fix that toilet, bro. That's right. You knew that toilet was running before <laughs> I went in there. All right, you ain't trying to catch it. You to fix it yourself first? No, if your toilet is a runner, a track start, and that's on you. You knew that before I walked in there. That reminds me of a story. Angela Yee's manager one time. Y'all were all in a hotel room, and she blew the bathroom up. We were not all in a hotel room. Well, explain the story. Everybody was in different rooms, but she actually used the toilet and stopped it up. Well, that was Krispy Kreme. 
They had nothing to do with uh, the toilet being stopped up. All right, that was Krispy Kreme. Now the dozen of Krispy Kreme. And a guy that came donuts. to fix it from the front desk was so disgusted. He was so disgusted. He had never seen this type of load come out of such a beautiful woman. You know, it was disgusting. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. That's where it happened at. Goodness gracious. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's get the show cracking. Now, this morning, we have a special guest joining us. She's a gospel singer, and she just wrote a book. Kiara Sheard will be joining us this morning. Yeah, she played her mama in that uh, Clark Sisters movie on Lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. The name of her book is Big, Bold, and Beautiful. That's right, and we'll be talking to her this morning. And we got front page news. What's going on? What, what are we talking about, you? Well, let's first off give you some updates on what happened with Dante Wright. His death has been ruled a homicide. Mm. Okay, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting? Well, the Brooklyn Center police officer who shot and killed Dante Wright following a traffic stop on Sunday has been identified. That officer is Kim Potter, according to a press release. She has been with the Brooklyn Center Police Department for 26 years. They've also released the footage where you can hear the police officer thought that she was pulling out her taser, but instead pulled out her gun when she shot and killed Dante Wright. Listen to this footage. Now, Brooklyn Center Police Chief Tim Gannon said that he believed the officer, um, like we just said, drew a handgun instead of the taser. As you can hear, she's screaming, taser, taser, taser. Here's what he had to say. The officer, while struggling with Mr. Wright, shouts, taser, taser. That is part of the officer's training prior to deploying a taser. During this encounter, however, the officer drew their handgun instead of their taser. We train with our handguns on our dominant side and our taser on our weak side. This is done purposefully and is trained. As I watch the video and listen to the officer's commands, it is my belief that the officer had the intention to deploy their taser, but instead shot Mr. Wright with a single bullet. This appears to me, from what I viewed, and the officer's reaction and distress immediately after, that this was an accidental discharge. Hey, man. I mean, listen, at this point, there's nothing to discuss here. You know, everything we could possibly say has been said before. This is just a new rerun, okay? And isn't this the same thing that happened in the Oscar Grant case? Am I, am I mistaken when I say that? I swear yeah, this ha- isn't the first time this has happened. They said normally police officers put their uh, handgun on their dominant side mm-hmm. and then they put the taser on the non-dominant side. That way that mix-ups like these don't happen and Tases the taser would be lighter. Mm-hmm. They used lighter to have some bright, bright yellow color. somewhere. Yep. Yeah, which which I don't understand is is you know they make all these rules and regulations to try to stop this from happening again, and then it does. So what happens? Well, what, what is? I think that's what is the, the consequence? No, I think they did. I think they made that like they made protocols. They did extra training. That's why she mm. yelled taser, taser, and all this stuff. That's why they put the you know the the taser on the, on your your less dominant side, and they made it a bright color so you can see the difference. But so what's 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 the consequence now? You go through all this, but. You know, the lady clearly was a mistake. So what is the consequence? That man doesn't I mean, was get his it life a, back. Was it a mistake or a strategic homicide? You know what I'm saying? Like, Because mm-hmm. I, I think uh, if you've been on the force for like 20-something years, as she was, yep. she should know the difference between a gun and I a agree. taser at this point. So I can't just say it was a mistake. You know, But, but, it, will, but it will be ruled an accident, and it will be ruled a justifi- justifiable homicide, and it will be no charges, and she probably will be fired, but she'll be you know, um, sent to another jurisdiction. Before the year's over, so she'll be in another department. 
making the same mistakes. Yeah, no, I'm sure she probably, she will be fired, but what happens now? Like, this man lost his life. This family lost their child. Mm-hmm. This, this son, this child lost his father. So what are the consequences now? Yeah, it, you could say it was a mistake, but mistakes like this can't happen. Once again, we out here talking about new reruns. Yeah, that's the, welcome, welcome to the sitcom Black in America, the only sitcom that has new reruns all the time. And, you know, she was on the force for 26 years. I, I, they didn't say she had any other problems, but... A man lost his well, life. Yeah, they haven't but, said but, much about anything in her background yet, but Police Chief Tim Gannon said there will be an independent investigation. Here's what else he said. I've asked the BCA to conduct an independent investigation into the shooting and death. Once they are completed, I expect they will submit their findings, independent of me, to the appropriate authorities, the appropriate attorneys, that will look and review this case. The officer is currently on administrative leave. She will not be returning to duty until this investigation has run its course. And she, for all intents and purposes, I think we can look at the video and, and ascertain whether or not she'll be returning. Yeah, she'll get fired, but then she'll get moved to another department. She'll be in another jurisdiction, jurisdiction, making the same mistakes later on in life. Listen, there is consequences and repercussions to malpractice in every field except for law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. That that's that's a tough one, man. Young man lost his life. Everyone is a they tough say one. It's a, but this one is, is they'll say it's a mistake and keep it moving. Like, it's, it's, they, they've done it a million times already. Like, we've seen this one. Once again, this is like I said, this is a new rerun. We've seen this a I mean, million times already. Certain mistakes, that's just too irresponsible. I, right, but, but what happens? Meaning that there was a protocol. And what do you mean she, what happens? I don't understand what happens how next? Like, yeah, nothing. I agree. She's going to get Nothing's something has happen. to something has to happen. But then, you know, people will, will say, you know, it's all good till you get punched in the face. Right. Like like everything's all good till you get punched in the face. Yeah. She's been trained and trained and trained. But now when it happens, you just lose everything and don't know what you're doing. She's going to get fired and move to another jurisdiction. They're going to run with an accident, a justifi- a justifiable homicide. It will probably be no charges. I don't see him happening. Well, get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass up. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? David. David, good morning. Get it off your chest. Yeah, man, I just want to talk about the, the, the shooting up in Minnesota, the, the young man that was killed by police. Yes, sir. You know, it's very tragic, very unfortunate. Now, it, it, it sucks that, you know, with 26 years training on the fours, that they can they can simply call that a mistake and say that it was an accident. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep, don't, don't know the difference between your uh, gun and the taser. You don't need to have no goddamn gun then. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know how to... If you don't know how to draw your weapon properly you don't know whether or not you're drawing your taser or your gun you shouldn't be carrying either i agree and at the, at the same time you know the young man was was compliant at first and man it just sucks that you know maybe he got scared i don't know something caused him to decide to try to run and unfortunately we'll never know whether or not he would have just gotten off with a ticket you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. because the officer didn't remember her training after 26 years she forgot what she was doing and and it sucks that that we lost another young innocent life behind some some bs like that yeah and i think that we do have to factor in how scared you know black people are in these situations and he's a kid man we don't know if that brother had a panic attack right. you know what i'm saying like anything could have happened in that situation but like like you said she's been right. on the force for 25 26 years like she should know she it wasn't a rookie I put myself in that situation and 
you know, I ask myself, would I have remained calm seeing all these cops showing up? Yo. Would I have been okay? I don't know. Yo. I, I, it's been a long time since I've been in that situation. Listen, we have and such short-term remember, memories. I remember I was scared, you know what I'm saying? Yes, and we have such short-term memories. We just watched a lieutenant, a man who served in the military, a grown adult, tell y'all he was shook to death. He was scared. So imagine how that little kid felt, 20 years old. Yeah, yeah man, it sucks, dude. It's, it's, it's terrible. This shit keeps on. Excuse my language. It just keeps happening way too often, man. Mm-hmm. Way nope. too often. Then you think, about, you think about how a barber, somebody that cuts your hair has to go through more hours of training than a police officer does. I That's think right. That's ridiculous. That's right. I just wanted to get that off my chest, man. I listen to you guys every morning. You guys have a blessed Tuesday. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. time to get it off your chest whether you're mad or blessed so you better have the same energy we want to hear from you on the breakfast club hello who's this hey dj mba jessica from long island hey jessica get it off your chest you know what i was just listening to Charlemagne say how that cop should have had a uh, malpractice you know how every other profession that you know if you're pretty serious like a cop i'm an rn um if i make a mistake at work if i don't break a medication in half the right way if i do something wrong I face a lawsuit, I lose my license, I lose my job, I end up in jail if it's bad enough if I, if I take someone's life. So something about that really got me going when Charlamagne said that they should have some sort of malpractice issue, you know, some sort of uh, a uh, punishment. Yeah. It's absolutely right. Absolutely right. It gets me going. It really does. Yeah, every industry, damn near every industry got it except for law enforcement. Now, but let me ask you a question. If a doctor does some, some type of malpractice, a, a mistake or accident, can you sue that doctor personally, or does he have insurance and you sue the insurance company? I'm not sure. Well, you know, she same she, thing with she can go to jail if it's bad enough. So I, I assume that's there. what they need to do. That's right, why get, get stripped that. of your license, you'll never work again. But that's why getting rid of qualified immunity is so important. Like I said during Donkey of the Day yesterday, because now you can sue those police officers directly. When you start affecting people's pockets, man, or, and threatening them with real prison time. They'll change the way they move. If they know that they can get sued directly and, and, and no civil suits that people get rewarded, it's going to come from their money as well as their future pensions. Oh, they'll switch up. All right. Hello, who's this? Hey, what's up, baby? How you doing, man? This is The Pocket USA, man. What's going on, man? Get it off your chest, bro. I, yeah, man, I just wanted to call and talk about that soldier, man. I just want to say how he handled himself was very well, right? But just put that on me. Just say that was me and I get pepper sprayed. The first thing I probably would have did was grab my shirt, reach down, or look for something. Yep. Sure. Then I would have been accused of reaching for a gun. Yeah, you're right. That's why the pocket USA is so important, man. That's why I'm on this mission to push this product, man. I just hope everybody tap into it, man. We, we need this product. It's very necessary. Got your pocket. Oh, that's your thing where you hang your license and stuff out of the window? Yeah, maybe he sent he sent he sent me one too for my son. Yeah, so if you don't know, he has a what's the name of the company, sir? The Pocket USA. Pocket USA, where you can put your license, your registration, your proof of insurance, and you hanging on out on the outside of your car, so you don't have to worry about the cops coming in. But if they ask you to open the door, like they ask them to open the door, I mean, you're still in the same situation. And that's fine. That's fine. Let them open the door, but your hands will stay visible. Now you're not getting pepper spray. Now you're not getting shot. Now you're not getting accused of reaching for anything that's going to harm them. Eh, that's the purpose. I listen. I like yeah, your I idea a lot, but nah. 
You know what I mean? Cop- Charlemagne is necessary, man. It's I'm with necessary. you, but, this, but cop- cops will see that hanging out the window and say they felt threatened. They don't know. They didn't know what it was. That's no excuse. There's no excuse to say they felt threatened by this product hanging out your door when they see your hands visible. You not moving. There's no reason for you to move. So there's no excuse, no excuse for them to taser you. I've seen it. We, we we've seen it a we've seen it a million times. How quickly y'all forget the uh, the chant "Hands up, don't shoot"? Because the brother Michael Brown had his hands up in the air when he was shot, sir. Like there's no way you can look at any of these police killings. Police brutality. We've seen it a million different ways, and it's and and, and this never ends the way we always think it's going to end. So I don't understand how we keep lying to ourselves and giving ourselves these BS excuses. All right, well, get it off your chest. Eight hundred five eight five one zero five one. We got rumors on the way. Yes, and we are going to talk about money. What hip hop artist could make a hundred million dollars when Coinbase goes public? Also, guess who just bought the weekend's house for nineteen point three million dollars? All right, we'll get into that next. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Cheryl Underwood. It's time. She's spilling the tea. This is the rumor report with Angela Yee on the Breakfast Club. All right. Well, the talk is back on the air. This is after all of the controversy with Sharon Osbourne. And Sharon Osbourne is clearly no longer with the show. Uh, Filling in also on the show was Donald E. Green. He's an expert on diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Also, Anita Phillips was on this episode, a trauma therapist and life coach to help guide the conversation. Now, some of the things that were discussed on the show, Cheryl Underwood uh, did the opening statements. We haven't been together at the studio since the week of March 10th. And as you may know, during our break, Sharon decided to leave the talk. We need to process the events of that day and what happened since so we can get to the healing. Over the next hour, we will honestly discuss what occurred and explore some of our feelings. And we'll also show you how anyone can become more comfortable discussing important issues and having difficult conversations. And by the end of the hour, we want everyone to feel empowered and ready to move forward. All right, Cheryl Underwood also talked about the whole thing with the angry black woman. She didn't want to be that and said she... mm -hmm. Did she decide not to come back or was she fired? Uh, It's hard to say. Some people are saying that she chose not to come back. Some people are saying that they told her, they allowed her to say that, you know, to save face. I don't know personally, but there's two different stories going around. Now, according to Cheryl Underwood, she didn't want to be the angry black woman, but she also can't even watch that episode. I saw a composed, clear, confident woman, but what we didn't see what was going on inside. Well, I didn't want to escalate things with Sharon because I thought I was having a conversation with a friend, but also I knew I had to be an example for others to follow because I didn't want to be perceived as the angry black woman. And, And that really scared me. And it's difficult to go back to that day because I just feel the trauma, I feel Fearful, you know, a little apprehensive. I love this discussion. Um, Charlemagne the God talking. I would like to know where has not being the angry black woman or angry black person got us? Why are we always compromising ourselves for our oppressors? Why why can Sharon Osbourne catch an attitude, come off as angry, and it's all good, but a black person who has the right to be angry 
has to temper herself. My therapist says, feel your feels. Okay, in black people, women and men, we have every right to be angry and every right to express that anger because if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. Zora Neale Hurston, by the way. Yeah, you know, there's always this whole thing about being the angry black woman. As soon as you speak up for yourself, you're angry. As soon as you show some type of emotion or passion about something, you're the angry black woman. And then there's that people don't take it seriously. And I'll say it again. And so I think... And so I think for Cheryl Underwood, and it's something that black women have had to deal with forever now, just not wanting to be out of control of your emotions. And I ask the question once again, where has not being the angry black woman or angry black person got us? Not coming off angry has gotten us nowhere. Yes, we're angry. Yes, we pissed off. Yes, we flipping over tables. Enough is enough. The time for playing small has been over and it's gotten us nowhere. Raise hell, get angry. And, And, you know, if you're not, Angry, then you're clearly not paying attention to what's going on in this country. And I think she also felt like Sharon was her friend. Oh. And that was one of the things, too, between the two of them. I, I get so angry I'm sure at that, friends. I'm sure that also affected her as well. And they were on TV. So, you know, and they also have said, by the way, that Sharon is going to talk when she's ready, according to an insider. She wants to give her side of the story still. I thought she had already done that. Word. What was that whole thing with Kevin Frazier? <laughs> you got to laugh at the absurdity of all of this. To be, to, you, you really do. How many now, sides? How many sides does she get? Sharon Osbourne never issued a private apology, but Sharon Osbourne then showed some screenshots that showed text to Cheryl Underwood that went unanswered, and Cheryl Underwood did confirm that Sharon Osbourne did text her, but she didn't answer because she didn't know if she was allowed to, given the internal investigation taking place. I saw Sharon Osbourne tweet out yesterday a, a, a video of a bear rubbing his back against a pole while Genuine Pony was playing. She's so unbothered. So unbothered. That's why you, you follow gotta, her. No, I just saw the post. Oh. I saw. I think I saw, saw it on Shade Room or something. That's why you got to be like effing people. There's nothing wrong with being angry. You have every single right to be angry, and don't let nobody tell you different. I'm with you. Goddamn right. All right. Now the weekend sold his house for 19.3 million dollars. It was his Hidden Hills home. He had originally listed the house last June for 25 million, but then he did a price cut. 19.3 million dollars. The person who bought the house is Madonna. So Madonna has bought the weekend's old house. Now, initially, he bought this house in 2017 for 18.2 million. So he made a little. He made 1.1. Really yeah, yeah, he made 1.1 million on it. Unless he did some renovations. Did you just say a little 1.1? I know a little 1.1. I mean, he made 1.1 million. You know how much 1.1 million dollars is? Do you know 50 percent of America doesn't have 250 dollars to spare? And you said a little 1.1 million dollars. Well, here's another little bit of money for you. They're saying Nas could net $100 million when Coinbase lists on NASDAQ. When that cryptocurrency exchange, uh, they said that's uh, expected to reach over a $100 billion in valuation when they st- list their stock on Wednesday. Drop on the clues so. bonds for Nas here, Jones. Oh, you can't even spell NASDAQ without Nas at this point in life. Okay, how many times has Nas been a part of these deals? It's like his third or fourth deal. Like yep. this? Mm-hmm. You can't even spell NASDAQ without Nas at this point. I think. How you spell NASDAQ? It's NAS, right? Yeah, it's no, NAS. You're right. Okay. It's NAS. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yes, looks like they've been making some really smart investments. His investment Not firm is Queensbridge Venture Partners. Hey, and they got into Coinbase back in 2013 
when it raised $25 million. Around that time, it was valued at about $143 million. So Queensbridge, like I said, is the name of his firm. They also were a backer of Robinhood in 2013 and then later on Lyft and Dropbox, too. Nay, Nas took it to heart when Jay-Z said smarten up Nas. Okay. He sure did. Let me show y'all something. All right. Well, that is your rumor reports. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now we got page. Enjoying all that money with the great hairline Nas still has at 44 years old. That's a great feat. I think Nas is older than 44, but yeah, yeah that hairline is amazing. Yeah. Either way, hairline's yeah. incredible. Hater. All right. Now uh, we got front page news coming up. Yes, and let's talk about this Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine. Apparently, there are some serious concerns, and we'll oh tell boy. you what those are. <laughs> All right, we'll get to it next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela here, and the General Insurance has been helping people save money for nearly 60 years. They offer the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Make the right call and go with The General. Call 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some restrictions apply. I got what you need Freak on, baby Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting, Yee? Well, there's some issues with this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They says there's been four serious cases of unusual blood clots reported after people got that vaccine, according to European health authorities. So they said they are still investigating these cases and that is currently not clear whether there is a casual association between the vaccine and the clots. But the CDC and the FDA are taking reports of these blood clots very seriously. I thought they recalled the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine a couple weeks ago. Apparently not. They're still using them. I, I think they did recall them in some places, but uh, there was a bad batch, I think. But I tell you one thing, my parent, my dad called me the other day was like, if the kids are going to take the uh, vaccine, do not do Johnson & Johnson and just hung up on me. I said, all right, dad. Yeah, but people are just taking whatever's available, too. And some people really want to take the Johnson & Johnson because it's only one shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my dad was saying that's the one he wanted to take because it's just one. But, you know, again, different information every day. Right. All right. Another unfortunate shooting, another tragedy. One student is dead and a police officer was wounded after a shooting at a high school in Knoxville, Tennessee. Officers responded to reports of a potentially armed individual. This was at Austin East Mm. Magnet High School. And this happened yesterday around 315. They did find the individual in the school's restroom. They ordered him out. He refused. And after he fired shots, at least one officer returned fire. The gunman, who was identified as a student at that school did die at the scene. They have not released his name at this time. I'm telling you, America, A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A, the only show in the world that has new reruns. It's a new rerun. You can't even keep up. You can just just pick your anxiety at this point. Like, you just spin the wheel. What you want today? You want a school shooting because you got kids that go to school? Pick that. You want another traumatic uh, police brutality incident? Pick that. Like, you can just pick your trauma at this point in America. So damn sad, man. All right. And and in the case of Dante Wright, right now, Joe Biden is calling for peace and calm in the wake of Dante Wright's fatal encounter with police in Minnesota. According to Joe Biden, he is saying his death does not justify violence or looting. Was it an accident? Intentional. That remains to be determined uh, by a full blown investigation. But in the meantime, I want to make it clear again, there is absolutely no justification for looting, no justification for violence. 
peaceful protest, understandable. But we do know that the anger, pain, and trauma that exists in the black community in that environment is real. It's serious and it's consequential. Why is it always stronger language and rhetoric towards people, uh, you know, so-called looting and damaging buildings than it is the actual state-sanctioned violence against black people? Shouldn't it be, you know, uh, the unjust murders of, of, of black people are not justifiable? That violence is not justifiable as opposed to them damn buildings? Yeah. Yeah, that seems like they care more about them damn buildings than black people all the time. Joe Biden tweeted out today, I'm thinking about Dante Wright and his family and the pain, anger, and trauma that black America experiences every day. Shut up, While we await a full investigation, we know what we need to do to move forward, rebuild trust, and ensure accountability oh, so no one is above the law. Oh, shut up. Okay, we'll pass the George Floyd Policing Act. How do we make that happen? Okay, that's what you campaigned on. You campaigned on that. Uh, Vice President Harris campaigned on that. Where is the George Floyd Policing Act? Huh? Pass it on a federal level. I know a lot of these things have to happen through the state, really, but yo, at least pass that on a federal level. All right. Well, that is your front page news. All right. All right. Now, when we come back, gospel singer, actress, Kiara Sheard will be author. joining us. And now author, Kiara Sheard will be joining us. And, and we'll talk she, to her when we come didn't back. Didn't she play her mama, uh, one of the Clark sisters in the Lifetime movie? She sure did. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we'll she, talk to her in a minute. So she don't got a move. book out, Big, Bold, and Beautiful, Owning the Woman God Made You to Be. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk to her next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest joining us this morning, Kiera Sherrod Kelly. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The, the author of the new book, uh, Big, Bold, and Beautiful. Yes. Big, Bold, and Beautiful. That's yes. right. Yes, yes, yes. My first book. What made you want to write a book? Well, actually, it was unintentional. So I had been writing and just kind of journaling as a form of therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, this is how I came about. I was looking in an uh, email account that I hadn't been checking. You know how you just kind of say, oh, this email account going to be for like spam or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, I looked in there. Something told me. I'm a church girl. So you know how the old saints be like, the Holy Ghost told you. It wasn't something yeah. that told you. <laughs> I went and checked and they were offering me a book opportunity. And I was just like, well, let me just gather my journaling. And that's how the book came about. Wow. It was special. You do did you do all this during the pandemic when there was nothing to do? You could sit at home, take your time, go through your journal and write? So, no, I have been journaling from like 18 till now. So literally, it's like me putting my life story and everything that I've gone through in the book. Um, and then I just had like some little studies from like Bible study and I just threw it in there. Um, so it was unintentional. It was really a divine moment. And like I said, it was th therapeutic for me. And I didn't know I had a book in me, if you know what I mean. So what is what you said 18 and now was like 21, 22. Well, thank you. What, what is, what's, what's now? <laughs> I'm still young. I'm 33. So, OK, OK, yeah. OK. It's, it, it's, it was a journey. Well, I started reading the book, and I have to tell you, I really appreciated how honest and frank you were about a lot of things in your life you. and decisions that you made and how rebellious you were. So I did <laughs> um, want to discuss some of the things that you talked about. One thing you said, make better decisions with the people you allow into your life. Yeah. If we train our bodies to consume expired milk or foods, it'll respond negatively the first time. But if we continue, we'll be become immune to the poisons. And yeah. then you talk about just basically tolerating expired relationships. And I feel like sometimes... We want to feel so loyal to people and just keep it going when sometimes things just aren't meant to be and we're only poisoning ourselves, right? So can you talk about yourself and those 
experiences? Yeah, totally. I just kind of had to step aside, even from just me wanting to connect with people who I felt like I could relate to, but I was relating with them when it came to my weaknesses and not my strengths. So I was building relationships off of the challenges that I had, and it wasn't relationships that will cause like healthy development. And in addition to that, I'm a, a creator, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of creators can um, attest to the fact that we kind of move off of vibes, like what I feel. And I didn't always have people around me who were like wanting to see me win, if that makes sense. But I'm not playing the victim either because there were some issues that I had to deal with in myself. Um, but I just had to make better decisions. And I understood that self-care wasn't just, you know, the bath with the candles. It's like definitely about the village you have. So I often right. say the village is not just for the child, it's for the adult too. And I, I felt most liberated when I had people that weren't just telling me yes, but telling me no, you got you got to put that down, you know? So it definitely has contributed to my mental stability with me being a big girl, having someone to tell me, hey, you can embrace your big, but still be healthy, you know? And um, I'm like I said, I'm a woman of faith. So the word teaches me that a fool despises correction. And I don't want to be a fool through That's life. Right. So it just challenged me to be a student at heart for sure. I feel like we didn't do you no justice when it comes to introducing you, though. Your mom is uh, Karen, Karen Clark. Yes. Right from the legendary gospel group, the Clark yes. Sisters. Yes. How was how was that growing up in that household? It was good pressure, good challenge, good accountability. At this point, it's exciting to see that I have the opportunity to say that we're inspiring each other, which inspires me more to be a student, like I was saying at heart, not thinking that, oh, you've arrived and you just but also it's challenged me to work hard because you know a lot of people are like, Oh, she probably thinks she's gonna come in the game and think that everything's gonna be handed to her. But no, I work. I mm -hmm. work and I'm thankful, too. So I come in with a grateful heart as well. I did the movie and um, trying mm -hmm. to sing like my mom. I was like, oh, no, this lady is an alien. She's a monster because <laughs> I literally was getting like lightheaded trying to hit her notes. So it definitely was like her sunning me, but not her being there saying, no, you still a kid. So sit back and chill out. But it, it's really special. And I counted a blessing for sure. Did you have to audition for that role? Or was that like one of those non-negotiable? This is nepotism. We're going to make it happen. <laughs> Period. No, I had to audition. Wow. I had to put the work in. And honestly, at first, I wasn't sure that I wanted it because of so many other reasons. But yeah, for sure, I did have to audition. Well, good job, because that movie broke all kinds of records and it did great numbers. So clearly people really loved your portrayal of your mother. Thank you. Was there any pressure to get into music because your mom was in the music so heavy? Was it one of those things like, no, girl, you getting into music, you can sing. Or was it like, nah, I did what I was able to do? I can definitely say I was able to do what I wanted. Of course, my parents, which I respect, um, because there were moments when I was young and I, I didn't really have the idea of what the future could be. So I was just saying no from an immature place. Um, but thank God my parents were like, hey, go to school, get your education, but also have this musical side of you and see what it will do for you. Um, so it wasn't like an unhealthy pressure because they did allow me to be the nail tech once upon a time that I wanted to be or install wigs. I'm really good at wigs. So at one point I thought I was going to be in the cosmetology field and now here I am because I've listened to my parents and their grooming, so um, it wasn't an unhealthy pressure. You know, you know, in chapter three, the th chapter that you was talking about, you talk about having to leave people behind, right? Like, yeah. how important is finding your tribe? Because, like you said, we talk about a village raising a child, but when you become an adult, you're still growing, you're still evolving. Yeah, if people aren't on that level with you, yes. you know, you got to leave them behind. So, how important is it to find your tribe? It's so important um, because, again, as a woman of faith, you got scriptures that say iron sharpens iron and I was just having a conversation with a friend and it's possible that 
a friend can sharpen what's bad in you, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, too, if you're not careful, it can it, it has everything with your sanity. You can make choices. If you don't have people around you that say that's not good for you, I think we all have seen even some of our favorite inspirations. Uh, it's like, I just wish they had somebody else around them to kind of save them from mm-hmm. going down that mm-hmm. path. So it means a lot to me. It, it speaks to my spirituality. It speaks to, and, and I can say that even my business relationships are not just business. It's like, it goes deeper. You know what I'm saying? So I even talk about in the book the difference between draining relationships versus fountain-like relationships. Mm. And I came up with that because you can be sitting in a relationship or even just having a conversation, leaving it, not having felt safe. You'll feel drained. You'll feel exasperated. And it's like, where all of a sudden did this tire come from? And it's like, because you're sitting at the table with the wrong people. So mm-hmm. I just had to kind of overcome that. And then just even in the uh, in the book, I talked about some relationships that I delve into that just weren't good for me. And I would, you know how you had your mom, your dad tell you that ain't that ain't the situation you need to be in and you'll pick up habits and then you'll take that baggage to the promised place that you're supposed to be in Mm -hmm. and you'll then feel like you know what i'm inadequate to be here because you were once upon a time in this dysfunctional place that you were never supposed to be in Mm -hmm. and so then it just becomes a blame game it then weighs you down and then you start speaking to yourself when it was just it was a poor choice previously so now we got to go through a whole personal rehabilitation space Mm -hmm. you know um so that's why it's so important to me um i'm really big on that and then i believe in prayer i believe in people praying for you when you can't get a prayer through you know it's it's moments when i was just broken and i just didn't know what to say to god but i had friends that was like no we about to i'm about to hold you we about to hold hands and we about to go before the lord so that's why finding my tribe that tribe is so important for me that's why i call it call it the soul tribe you gotta have your soul tribe yeah absolutely all right, we have more with Kiara Shed. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Kiara Shed, gospel singer and author. Yee. Well, another thing I thought was important as a message for women is that you don't have to put your life on hold waiting for a boyfriend or a husband to do things and to do those things when that person comes along. Can you expand on that as well? Because clearly now you're married, but you went through a lot of frogs before you got to your prince. For sure, frogs. Um, But uh, I I kept waiting. Like, uh, I had been blessed to work and go out of the country. And I'm like, oh, I got to wait, you know, to go to Paris with this significant other. Or I got to wait to go to Dubai with this significant other. And after a while, I was like, you know what? If I'm going that way, we about to make some stops especially because the trip (laughs) is cheaper while I'm already over there you know so I'm not about to wait for nobody else and then in that space that I was in I would have probably had to cover the expenses myself or whatever so I think that it's so important because one thing that I did wrong was I made a boyfriend or I gave a boyfriend wife-like tendencies if that makes sense break that down a little more yeah my father told me before Kiara you have to understand that it's okay to date and I think Steve Harvey wrote a book um, think like a act like a lady think like a man my nana gave me that book because they were all looking like it's okay for you to play the game you don't gotta be a whore but you can play the game. And so he said the root word of dating is data. Get the information you need and just play the game. So that's what I had to learn rather than I thought I was entering into covenant with people that weren't giving me something promising for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just temporary. Um, so those are the things that I had to adjust to say, you know what? I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to live my life. I'm not waiting on nobody. If I get a trip to South Africa, I'm extending the trips, not trying to get home to a boyfriend as if he's my husband. Mm-hmm. You know, a word 
worried about what he's going to do. So those were the things that I had to learn when it comes to that chapter, Successfully Single. I wonder if all that stuff happens naturally, though, right? Because it's like you don't want to practice bad habits. Right. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, I'm probably going to do some husband-like things and you might do some wife-like things because that's how you determine whether or not you want to be husband and wife with this person. For sure. Yeah, but I think for me, I'll be honest, being in a relationship and doing wife-like things, it clouds your judgment because you're wanting marriage with that person and you're not seeing the red flags. I'll mm-hmm. speak for myself. So it was a lot of red flags that I was ignoring because I wanted a certain thing. But if a man doesn't want it with you or if even if somebody else doesn't want a long-lasting relationship, and that could just be with friendships, it can't just be you. We know what it feels like to be one-sided, you know? Um, so I, I think it's okay to dive in, compromise, make sacrifices, but make sure you're making sacrifices for somebody that's going to give it back in return. But what's wife-like things? Like Is that it, sex? It's, it could be sex. Okay. It could, and that clouded my judgment, you know? And and I think, too, it speaks to, I, I talked about in the book, doing things God's way. I saw why I needed to do it his way mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I was making decisions off of how he made me feel versus what it could have been in the future. Mm-hmm. So I was making a decision off of a temporary experience mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. just, you know, how he laid me out, but it wasn't, you ain't going to be able to get me through when it comes to establishing life or establishing yeah, 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 yeah. legacy. Um, and it, and I, another thing that I noticed is that I wasn't looking at the, the person that I was dating saying, do I want my children to be like this person? It was more so this this feels good. You know, it feels mm-hmm. great. So my emotions were wrapped up into a different place rather than actually making life decisions. True. What about living together? A lot of people will say, well, I don't want to get married until we live together. How do I know I even want to spend life with this person? Uh you know, talk about why you think that's not a good idea. You shagging up. Yeah. I, so I, I will say that I was guilty of that for some time, you know, and even while saying, you know, that I'm living this way. Um, and I think there's a such thing like my husband has shown me that there's a way to spend time with each other and do it with boundaries. I think it's just knowing your boundaries. If you say you're gonna live like one thing, like my husband really helped me. I thought I was living saved and living for the Lord, and so my husband came with a different standard. Mm. And But he showed me that there is a such way to dive into a relationship, to go deeper, and to get the depth of that person, but to respect your boundaries. Don't act like they're not there. You know, after a certain hour, you get hot in your drawers. So step back <laughs> and say, you know what, okay, I'm going to be honest with myself. You know, I think we, we, I will say I've gotten into spaces where I just wasn't honest with myself. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and consult with everybody else about my life. So then I was living with the opinions of everyone else, but my truth. And so I think that that is, you can get to know somebody and you can spend time with them. Um, So I'll stop there because I don't want to say too much, but it's a way to do it for sure. What, What did your parents, your daddy say about you shacking up in particular? He disapproves of it. 100% yeah. um, disapproves of it 100% not his thing shacking up be. yeah that's what they call it <laughs> that's what they call it for sure now how you no, let Nick Cannon out sing you say it again how did you <laughs> say it again <laughs> listen I gotta switch Nick my, Cannon my mind the I said how did you let Nick Cannon out sing you how did I let Nick Cannon out sing 
Um, Nick Cannon is incredible, so I just had to let him do his thing. I was completely blown away at the fact that he could actually play and sing. First of all, I'm joking. I know. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> she said, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know, clearly. Okay. I know. <laughs> but it was special. It was fun. Um, you know, I, I thought only to Nick was acting. Um, and to see that we kind of come from similar backgrounds, it was really inspirational. Was Did he, I heard he asked to rap on the record and you told him no. No, that God is not true. That. None of that ain't true. You told him that his raps ain't nothing but the devil. Is that true? None that of didn't that happen? is true. I support Nick Cannon 100%. <laughs> That's my man. How did the collaboration come about? Like, what was that about? Um, Nick reached out and... Um, that was it. It was simple, and I came running, like, for sure. I mm -hmm. want to do it. Um, and it was that easy. Dope. Mm -hmm. All right, well, don't move. We have more with Kiara Shared. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Hey, morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Kiara Shared, gospel singer and author. Charlamagne? You know, I meant to ask Bishop uh, Jakes this and uh, Sarah Roberts this last week, but uh, do you think that people realizing that the Bible wasn't was written by, like, people that were oppressing us. Do you think that's one of the reasons people are getting turned off from the from the Bible? Ask that question one more time, please. People, are you think people are getting turned off from the Bible because they know that the oppressors actually wrote those scriptures? Because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that's oppressive, right? Like, you mm -hmm. know, homosexuality, things in regards to race, mm -hmm. the, the, the portrayal of women. So you think that's one of the reasons people are getting turned off from the Bible? I think it could be. I'm all into information and being knowledgeable. I wonder if our generation are too grown for their own good, if that mm. makes sense. Mm. Um, so I, that's all I can say there. Mm -hmm. But um, if it's inspired by God, I'm a believer and I've seen God's word really liberate me and bring me answers. So I can only speak from that space. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there are some peers of mine who just dive into stuff that they don't even understand but try to use it to their advantage, mm. if that makes sense. Gotcha. And, 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 and to add to that, being too grown for your own good, the word even says, and I found it to be true, that in order to enter into the kingdom, you have to take on the heart of a child. Innocence, pure, you know, seeking the opportunity to see the light. And I think that because we consume so much dark, whether it's through our music, through what we see in our timeline, right. it can kind of give you a blur when you actually have the truth right there at hand. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the truth can come from a liar, but that doesn't, because it's coming from a liar, that doesn't mean that it's not the truth. That's right. Um, so I would say that's my answer. <laughs> no, that that makes perfect sense. That's I, I can look at that in so many different ways. That's what I always said about you know, somebody like DMX, like that brother was anointed. Yes. But you would not recognize God in him if you're busy looking uh, looking for God in places you believe God should be. Absolutely. And people you think God should be in. Absolutely. I think it was a prayer. I think I saw like Diddy and it, I think it was like a a re-something. It was a concert. Yeah, the Bad Boy reunion tour. Yes. Yeah. And they were in the back praying and I actually felt the spirit of God That's while right. DMX was praying. So I agree with you 100%. And I think that there's a possibility that some, so many of us may have an anointing and we just may be completely oblivious of it, if that makes sense. And because like we were talking about the squaggle or the tribe, if you don't have people to tell you, 
you're anointed and it's just certain things you can't do mm-hmm. you know or certain places you can't sit in um, and because the anointing is something we can't see so it has everything to do with spirituality so we gotta be with our A game on understanding that the adversary is out there to get you to destroy you um, so I I think I agree with you 100% now let's talk about the metamorphosis of relationships for you how does celibacy contribute to you being able to find the right person can you talk about that because a lot of times our vision is getting clouded by other things when we're trying to be in a relationship um it it means everything to me so I'll speak to my husband and I um of course we made some mistakes but once we got for real and we said okay we going to stick to this, talking about the boundary that I was telling you about earlier. My husband was, I wanted to jump his bones. I wanted to, I'm mm-hmm. going to be honest. And I'm sure some people will be like, that's, you are That's sex, by the way, for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know what jump your bones means, okay? But, <laughs> but it, it's my truth. But I, I can say that I saw God change my life through him loving my soul and my spirit more than just my body. So I saw my husband say, I care about your soul. I care about, you know, when you're out there saying that this is your truth but you come back and you live another way he wanted to contribute to me in a totally different way than just making me feel good and then it also allowed me to be stable mentally so celibacy definitely contributed to a pure relationship it allowed us to develop our communication skills our way of understanding understanding too a different perspective and knowing that when you come together it's not just some two individuals coming together but you're bringing their life like every Everything that they've gone through, you're bringing all of that together. And so how are you going to build a home? So for me, celibacy contributed to that. It even contributed to our prayer life. So now, I mean, I can say I'm seeing things in the future because of the prayer life that I've been able to have with my husband. And now I'm able to respect him differently when he gives me, you know, a note. I can listen better because I can trust your judgment. And then I'm not calling, chasing, trying to figure out, you know, what's going on because I felt like because you're honest with me and because you show that you can keep yourself together with me because I I'll stop there I got to be careful what I said <laughs> but because you show me that you can keep it together I trust that you can keep it together when my eyes aren't on you so it celibacy has contributed to in so many ways and I, I really can say that I've done it the complete opposite of what God said to do and then with my husband I've done it his way and I've seen it just change my life I'm sorry to start crying but yeah, that's what, it. What do you mean you, you said keep me. it together? You try celibacy, ye. Uh, I'm going to tell my boyfriend we're going to switch back to celibacy. <laughs> see how he reacts. Yeah, that works. What, what do you mean when you said you had to keep it, keep, or he, he showed you that he could keep it together? Would you try to set him up? You had like a girl try to holler at him or something? Or? No, 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 or? no. Jimmy's with her. Yes, with me. Okay. Like, he, my husband is very attractive. I love him. And, and I, <laughs> I love, um, I think for me, the faith piece and his integrity. Mm-hmm. So it makes me want to jump on him more. Um, and to see that he's so unimpressionable. So that's what I mean. Like, he could gotcha. keep it together. He could control the room. He could tell me no. And and and, and he, he just had it. He just what got is, it. What is marriage, though? Like when we talk about it, because this is like back in the day, there was no such thing as marriage. So if you had that attraction towards that man and he had it towards you and y'all had a bond, y'all could jump each other's bones. Like what is marriage? Like what is it? Just a ceremony. Like you really think you're going to hell because you had a little premarital sex? So I don't think it's just you're going to hell because you had a little premarital sex, but I do believe it's a part of the principles of living out the blessing or the blessed life. Mm -hmm. Um, And even again, I think... You know how our parents used to tell us, don't do that. 
or else this is going to happen. I feel like the relationship with God is, it's, um, how can I say this? I'll just say it's important to live the way he's saying and trust what he's saying because it contributes to the future that you don't see. Mm-hmm. It contributes to the days that you don't see. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, I, I get what you're saying and I get the concern that maybe others have, but I would, I don't know if that answers the question, Charlemagne, but. Well, how can we beat ourselves up over like the whole sex, premarital sex thing in the Bible, but not over something like pork? Because it tells us not to eat pork. Our, se- our shellfish. Yeah. It tells us not to eat shellfish. Yeah. We can just pray over that and everything's cool. Why we? Why do we do that ourselves? I think it's because we accept the tradition and not diving into the relationship. So for me, this once upon a time was just religion and just a learned behavior until I began to read and learn. You know, like I can go into a classroom and take everything that the students and the teachers are talking about, mm-hmm. but I can come out with a completely different, different understanding until I actually read read the textbook um so for me it's almost like being in a relationship you don't know me if you only took me out or treated me as a one night stand you know me when you date me and you take time with me um so i think that that is it's it's a lack of time Mm -hmm. you know with learning about the faith rather than just listening to people saying don't touch the stove because it's hot no if you go close enough to the stove you'll feel that there's a heat that your skin can't take rather than just saying um and i think that it even speaks to the generation that we've come from where it's like one generation did things just because somebody told them not to but I think we are becoming a generation where we're diving into it so I think it's just a matter of learning and understanding I would say do you eat pork? Uh, I don't eat pork as much as I do now that I understand it oh so, <laughs> so at the time you didn't understand the scripture when it says I think it was Deuteronomy 14 8 don't do not eat pork and don't even touch the flesh of a dead yes. pig. You didn't understand it? I didn't. I thought that it was just an old practice. Like, yeah. before I was just reading the Bible, like, oh, okay, that was just day story. I didn't want it. I didn't want nobody to tell me to put down no bacon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or them scrimps. <laughs> yeah. Them scrimps too now. Absolutely. So, even to that, though, I am working on my temple. So, I'll go back and forth. I'll do, like, a vegan diet. I'll be a vegetarian one week. And then next year, I'm a pescatarian. Mm-hmm. And then one week, I'm just saying, oh, I don't eat meat, but I eat fish and bacon you know so (laughs) yes it's like which one is it so um i think it's a matter of learning evolving understanding because um there's a scripture where jesus said i didn't come to do away with the law but i came to fulfill it Mm -hmm. so i think for me i'm still trying to understand that part like well did you give me the opportunity to still be able to eat bacon or is that just you know what i'm saying so it's it's all just figuring it out i'm just just using that because those are the things in the bible that they tell us not to do but those are the things that we do on the on the regular yeah i don't eat pork you know what i mean but Them scrimps, man. It, it's special. But the other thing is, um, you asked about why do we um, focus on the sex out of wedlock versus the pork. I think, too, it has everything to do with um, condemnation versus conviction. People who have a relationship with God, they're not just pointing at this, the problem and not giving you a solution. And I feel like condemnation causes you to beat up on yourself, right. whereas conviction from the Holy Spirit has you to just deal with it differently, if that makes that sense. That makes perfect sense. Well, can we get into a song before we get up out of here? You want to introduce a song? Let's let the, the, the world hear a song if they haven't heard any of your music. Yes, of course. We can play the song we just talked about. Grace. Grace. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, let's get into Grace. We appreciate you for joining us. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy. That was, um, well, that was what? That was Kira Sheard. Yes, that was was Kira Sheard. Thank you, It's called Grace, right?
Mm-hmm. Yes, it's called Grace. Uh, Grace. She has a book out called Big, Bold, and Beautiful, Owning the Woman God Made You to Be. Thank you, Karen, for joining us mm-hmm. this morning. Pleasant conversation it was. Absolutely. Oh, now, yeah. let's, let's get to the rumors. Let's talk DMX. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. All right, DMX's family is warning people they are not strapped for cash and they are not asking for the public to chip in for funeral expenses. If you see anything online saying otherwise, it is not true. There's been a lot of rumors going around, a lot of people trying to benefit. But just so you know, nobody is raising money to help pay for everything. So if you see any of those campaigns, do not donate money. They are completely bogus. They're not connected to the family at all. There's also been rumors that Jay-Z and Beyonce bought DMX's masters for $10 million. That's not true either. Listen, first of all, if you think Rough Riders and Swiss Beats and Def Jam not about to... all them, yeah. If you think they not about to send DMX off like the king, the god he was, y'all out of y'all damn mind. You think DMX need money for a funeral? Knock it off. No, no, it's it, and it's, it's what they're playing is gonna be amazing. I, it's just gonna be huge. Come on, man! I right, dare y'all disrespect for the disgusting people like that. that are starting these fake accounts and trying to benefit off of that. Uh, disgusting. But I know people might be looking and see things and think they're doing something mm-hmm. positive by giving money for it, but no, it's not real. Right. All right. Now, I told you guys I did this sit-down interview with Quando Rondo. We were actually in New Orleans when we did this. And some of the things that he talked about, and this is just part, a small part, we actually talked for like a couple of hours. But one of the things that he talked about was, of course, the night of November 6th. That's the night that uh, King Vaughn was shot and killed, the tragic night that that happened. And Quando Rondo was giving his side of the story, which he has not done previously. He says that he believed that he had a good relationship with Dirk. You know, they had songs together. He thought they were cool. He didn't even know there were any issues with Lil Dirk and King Vaughn. Here's what he said. People be saying, like, people chasing clout and stuff. How, man, like, a rich. I got three million followers, like. From my understanding, ma'am, it was a love, it was a, I had a relationship with Big Bro. Not want to say his name. Mm-hmm. Not, you feel me? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Cool. The dude that was on my album. Dude never charged me for a feature knowing he could have, like, Big Bro, a legend. All right, he was talking about Little Dirk there because Little Dirk was on his album, mm-hmm. and he didn't know that there was any any problems with them. Now, Quando Rondo also talks about the night and all the incidents that led up to him even being in the parking lot that night. You know, he had filmed the video that day. There's a lot more behind the story of what he was doing before he got to that parking lot, but he was not trying to go out. His friends actually went in the club, and he stayed outside in the car. He wanted to just go to sleep in the car, and Little Tim, his boy, was staying outside with him because he didn't want him to stay by himself. Now, here's what he said happen i tell my brother i say i'm not going in the club i said little boy going they find you a little female or whatever cuz i'm like you got 15 minutes cuz and i'm dipping we weren't we we about to go to the house my brother said i'm not about to let you sit in no car and go to sleep now i'm about to walk off and go stand by the other individual that i came with i see a group of people coming I'm about to let these people walk past me. I'm not about to try to go through these people or nothing like that. Next thing you know, a nigga hit me. It's like I had an out-of-body experience. I refuse to believe you spoke to him for two hours. 
I just don't see it. No, I did. I mean, we talked about a lot of different things, too, though. I don't know if you know anything about Quando Rondo. He's from Savannah, and he's had a really... Uh, Oh, he has a he's had a very challenging upbringing. Let's just say that if you hear about how he was raised and, you know, him growing up in foster care and in and out of juvie from when he was mm. young and a lot of things that he's gone through. And we were talking about it. he's not even supposed to be here right now. Just the success that he's had thus far. It's been a challenging time for him. And even with all of this, you know, clearly he didn't go out to the club with the intentions of anything like this happening. He wasn't even trying to be out. And so it was just a really tragic night, but he did want to be able to tell his side of the story. It's just mm. a very serious game. So just be careful. I got a bunch of texts yesterday. Be like, you can't, I'm like, what's going on? You, you good in Chicago? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I guess you released your interview, but just, you good in just Chicago. be careful. Some, the hell yeah, some, I guess because she did the interview and she was interviewing Kwando and, you know, it's, it's they're from Chicago. I, I don't know, but just be very careful. Everybody out there, hopefully they squash that listen, beef. You listen, know what I mean? Listen, 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 you don't want to play with them, them young boys. Yeah, but you can't get mad at the reporter or the journalist or the personality because they did an interview, an, an interview. I haven't seen the whole interview, but no. Nobody did an envy, but go ahead. What? <laughs> That's <laughs> well, what you just said. I said an interview, crazy. Why would anybody think you know, about just, doing you? I just don't like the back and forth that's been going on. So it was my hope that he would be able to tell us out of the story because I don't believe, you know, from what he's told me and we spoke before the interview and I'm good friends with his manager, Fee. That's my guy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that he had any ill intentions at all. And I don't think that's what happened. I think it was a tragic night. It was awful what happened. And he wanted to be mm -hmm. able to explain it from his point of view because he was there. A lot of people are speculating, but they weren't there. You know, I don't know so nothing about them young boys situation. Account. Yeah, I don't know nothing about this mm -hmm. situation, but I also will say, you know, in regards to their back and forth, there's nothing you can do about that. Somebody died. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's gonna and, always be a back and forth between them. And even in this interview, he spoke very respectfully when he spoke of Vaughn and Dirk. So, you know, and a, a lot of things that he talks about later on, he talks about obviously he's the first artist assigned to NBA Young Boy. He talks about their relationship and you know, you'll see. It's very interesting, though, what he had to say. So, And he's only 21 years old. All right. That is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Missy. Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? Man, I need Officer Kim Potter to come to the front of the congregation. Uh, we'd like to have a word with her this morning. And I think President Biden needs to come to the front of the congregation, too. We need to have a word with him as well. All right. We'll get to that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Mountain Dew is partnering with HBCUs in an effort to uplift the next generation of badass black innovators and entrepreneurs with the Real Change Opportunity Fund Pitch Competition, empowering students to go out and do. Visit mountaindew.com slash real change to enter. WWPR FMHD1 New York. And iHeartRadio Station. You get donkey at a date. Yeah, you dumb ass. You get donkey at a date. You dumb ass. You are a donkey. I'm gonna fatten all that shit around your eye. Man. They want this man to throw them blows, man. They wait for Charlemagne to tap these gloves. Let's go. They had to make a judgment of who was gonna be on the donkey of the day. They chose you. It's a breakfast club, bitches. Who's donkey of the day today? Well, Ed Sharon, donkey of the day for Tuesday, April 13th, goes to Officer Kim Potter, a 26-year veteran of the Brooklyn Center Police Department. 26 years. She also serves as police union president, also sharing in this hee-haw this morning is the 46th president 
president of the United States of America, the best and only option available to the worst president of all time. Hence why he won uh, Joe Biden. Oh, we have a lot to unpack here this morning, but not really because we've been here before, America. And I spell America A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A. And I'm not talking about Kim, Courtney, and Chloe. Or Kim, Kylie, and Kendall. I'm talking about Ku Klux Crackers. Oh, this is a white supremacist country. Black people have been historically the lowest caste. The dominant white caste knows this, and they always remind us of such. See, there's a reality show that we all live in called Being Black in America. Some may call it a dramedy. Definitely a thriller. Absolutely a horror movie. Never a lighthearted affair. Because the things that happen to us in this country have us walking around with heavy hearts constantly. What did the late, great James Baldwin say? Uh, to be a Negro in this country is to... Oh, to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time? Yeah. I feel your great ancestor, Baldwin. That's why I'm intentional about not taking too many things seriously because I have to laugh to keep from crying. I've been getting told all my life I turn everything into a joke. Yes, I do. It's a form of self-care. Okay, a defense mechanism of sorts to protect us from the inevitable. The inevitable trauma that we will witness, which keeps this show being black in America perpetually perpetually in a series and do reruns, okay? Oh, it's no laughing matter. You know how hard it is to chuckle when nothing is funny, but you have to laugh at the absurdity of it all. Case in point, this situation with Officer Kim Potter. Your uncle, Charlotte, brother, Leonard, I get on this radio and I tell y'all things, and you may or may not take me serious because of my list, but one thing I've been telling y'all is nobody plays dumb like a white person trying to deny injustice. I repeat, nobody plays dumb like a white person trying to deny injustice. Your latest example, Officer Kim Potter, not a rookie, has worked for the department for 26 years, 26, and she's head of the police union, is playing dumb. See, protesters in Minnesota were doing what they were supposed to be doing, and that's being angry. Okay, raising hell in a region, as the New York Times stated, in a region already at the center of a national reckoning over police officers' use of force against black people. New York Times, we need stronger language than use of force, okay? Let's say in a region already at the center of a national reckoning over police officers killing black people for no damn reason. Yeah, I like that. Because where Dante Wright was killed by Kim Potter, 10 miles away, prosecutors in the courtroom, completed the questioning of their witness of another killer cop, Derek Chauvin. Okay, very important to keep reminding y'all that he's the man we saw kill George Floyd. Now, Kim Potter has killed Dante Wright and is playing dumb to deny injustice. How is she playing dumb? Well, let's go to uh, CNBC with Shepard Smith for the report, please. Just miles from where George Floyd died, a police officer shot and killed a young, unarmed black man, reigniting outrage and inflaming tensions. Minneapolis, of course, was already on edge as the nation watches the murder trial of Derek Chauvin. The police chief in Brooklyn Center says cops pulled over 20-year-old Dante Wright for expired tags and tried to arrest him for an outstanding warrant. There was a struggle. The police chief says one of the officers pulled out her gun by mistake, mm. thinking it was her taser, and mm. fired. Well, the protesters are back out on the streets tonight after a night of unrest in Brooklyn Center last evening. People are angry. The explanation that the police gave didn't sit well. We are outside of the police headquarters, and you can see it's become a fortress. Last night, a lot of violence, a big confrontation. The police chief said they were being attacked by bottles and bricks and all kinds of objects, and that's why they retaliated. That's why they fired back with tear gas, flashbangs, and also rubber bullets. 
Bottles and bricks still better than bullets, okay? Uh, Kim Potter, 26 years on the force, and she doesn't know the difference between a gun and a taser. Let me tell y'all something, because you all be prisoners of the moment. This excuse, this lie, it's used quite often, okay? It's been used before. 2019, a police officer in Pennsylvania who never got identified because charges weren't filed because uh, he shot a man named Brian Rowling. That officer said he mistook his gun for a taser. Hell, this happened in Minnesota before, 2002. Uh, a Rochester police officer who wasn't identified thought he was reaching for a stun gun and pulled his 40 Glock and severely injured a man named Christopher Atak. Okay, a refugee from Sudan. No criminal charges were filed against that cop. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Robert Bates, white volunteer sheriff's deputy, shot and killed an unarmed black man named Eric Harris who was being held down by other officers. Bates apologized for killing Harris and was sentenced to four years in prison. And Tulsa County had to pay $6 million to Harris's estate to settle a federal civil rights lawsuit should have came out his pension you know if he eventually got one but all of those people you know mistook their uh guns no i mistook their guns for tasers or tasers for guns i don't know they mistook their tasers for guns whatever it was okay they claimed it was a mistake and oh let's not forget the most famous case at least in my lifetime y'all remember a young brother named oscar grant right a killer cop named uh, Johannes Marcelli testified at trial that he feared Oscar Grant had a weapon, so he reached for his stun gun, but mistakenly pulled his 40 cal as well. And he shot Oscar Grant while Oscar Grant was laying face down. In this situation, Johannes Marcelli was convicted of involuntary manslaughter and sentenced to two years in prison. And the department paid $2.8 million to Oscar Grant's daughter and her mother. Pennies for your life. Now, Robert Bates, who killed Eric Harris when it happened to him, he said, this has happened a number of times around the country. You must believe me. It can happen to anyone. Sure, maybe. I don't know. But it shouldn't. Okay, how is there malpractice in every professional industry except law enforcement? What's the definition of malpractice? Improper, illegal, or negligent professional activity or treatment. Police officers are rendering professional services which are resulting in injury, loss, okay, Loss of life, that is, and damage, yet they rarely, if ever, get held accountable. If I can kill someone and just say, my bad, okay, how do I or anyone else watching this situation learn their lesson? Once again, you have to get rid of qualified immunity because these officers need to be sued directly, okay? It needs to be their money and their pensions that contribute to these large payouts from the state and civil suits and the threat of jail time. When police officers are interacting with civilians, the two words that need to be on their minds is pensions and prison. If I know as a cop I could lose my pension or go to prison, I'd act right. But the reason they would never act right is because leadership in our country plays dumb. Okay, leadership in our country downplays and minimizes these state-sanctioned killings of black people. Exhibit A, President Joe Biden, leader of the free world, vice president to the first black president, picked a black woman, woman of color to be his vice president, friend of black people, corn pop. Okay, mouse and all of them, was asked about Kim Potter shooting Dante Wright, and this is what he said. Was it an accident? Was it intentional? That remains to be determined uh, by a full-blown investigation. But in the meantime, I want to make it clear again, there is absolutely no justification for looting, no justification for violence. Oh, God. Peaceful protest, understandable. But we do know that the anger, pain, and trauma that exists in the black community in that environment is real. It's serious and it's consequential. President Biden, it should be there is absolutely no justification for police brutality, no justification for police violence against unarmed black people in this country. Why do we always call for the people to remain peaceful? Why do we always call for the people to remain calm? President Biden, cops are the ones not being peaceful. Cops are the ones not remaining calm. If the protests aren't peaceful, whose fault is that? 
Okay, violence begets violence. If police officers were held responsible for these actions, then maybe the protest would be peaceful. But we know in this episode of America with three Ks that we've seen a million times that regardless of who's in the White House, nothing is going to change. Okay, what happened to the George Floyd Policing Act? All the Democrats, okay, who are championing this, Vice President Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, y'all should be front and center pushing this right now and calling these, calling these cops and their behavior out. I don't want to hear President Biden saying the question is, was it an accident? Was it intentional? That remains to be determined by a full-blown investigation. Blah, blah, blah. President Biden, stop white-manning me. Okay, I'm telling you, white people have an innate ability especially white men in positions of power, have an innate ability to play dumb when it comes to racial injustice. And boy, they give each other the benefit of the doubt and grace every single time. Look, I know policing is still local. DA's got to do the work. And I know Kim Potter is a local issue, but the George Floyd Policing Act is necessary. And at least it's something. That's all I want at this point. Something. Somebody somewhere got to show me something because the only thing going to happen to Kim Potter is this will be labeled an accident. No charges will be filed. She'll be fired and moved to a nearby jurisdiction and will not have to face any consequences for her malpractice. And people like President Biden will continue to show more concern for buildings than we the people. Or should I say we the property? Because as I told y'all yesterday during Donkey Today, this is what black people are in this country, property. And in these cities like Minnesota, they make more money off those buildings that are property than they do black people. Therefore, black folks are disposable. And that's why President Biden will say it's no justification for looting rather than saying it's no justification for killing us. And Joe, you can't say you understand the trauma the black community is facing when you minimize that trauma to looting. You know that's not what's happening. Black people are fed up, angry, and have every right to be. My therapist says, feel your feels. Okay, and black people, women, and men, you have every right to be angry and every right to express that anger. Not coming off as angry has gotten us nowhere. Okay. yes, we angry. Yes, we pissed off. And if you are a human who cares about other humans in this country, you would be angry with us. Okay. as Queen Tamika Mallory says, we don't need allies. We need accomplices. Everybody needs to be angry. Everybody needs to get angry if you truly care about other humans in this on this planet, because if you are silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say you enjoyed it. That's Zora Neale Hurston, by the way. Please give Kim Potter and President Joe Biden the biggest he haw. All right. Well, and thank please, you for that donkey today. Please, please. Uh, I know President Joe Biden is a sitting president. Don't audit me. Okay. I don't need no extra audits. For calling, right. out, for calling out a sitting president. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, just remember that was Leonard, not Rashawn. Man, when shut you your, your, your beige ass up. All right. Now, let's open up the phone lines. We ain't got much time. How do you feel? Let's do a wellness check. How do you feel? Let's talk good, about what's good. going on. I like this energy. 585-1051. We'll take your calls when we come back. What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Let's go. The Breakfast Club. Or anything that you do. Don't give a f about you or anything that you do. I don't give a I don't give a I don't I don't give a I don't give a about you or anything that you do. Don't give a about you or anything that you do. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning. Now, if you just joined us, we're just doing a wellness check, man. We're opening up the phone lines and having a conversation. Uh, just how you feeling out there with everything that's going on in the last couple of days? Yeah, I mean, it's heavy, right? You see all the trauma. You see the trauma from, you know, watching um, the lieutenant. You know, get 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 assaulted by those police officers. Uh, I forgot what state that was in. Where was that at? Virginia, right? Virginia. 
You know what I mean? Um, and, and, you know, watching Officer Kim Potter kill Dante Wright. Like, it's a lot of trauma being passed the around. The George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin still in trial the middle, was on TV. Yeah, still in the We're still of, watching that happen. Yep, still in the middle of the Derek Chauvin trial. So, you know, he's going to do a wellness check, man. See how our people feeling out there. All right. Well, hello. Who's this? Hello. Good morning. My name is Megan. Hey, Megan. Good morning. How you feeling today, Megan? Honestly, after last summer, I thought I'd get over this trauma that I'm having about being black in America. But at this point, it's just getting worse and worse. I'm getting tired of everything that's been going on. And I live in the South, so I see it a lot more than often. A lot more that's not publicized. And I'm over it. I tried to put myself in therapy. That's not helping. I'm a social worker. It's not helping me tell people, like, it's okay. One day all this stuff is going to change. I'm just done. You know why? You know why? Because we're in a perpetual time loop. We're in a perpetual time loop of trauma. Like, I call all of this new reruns. It shows that we've seen before, but it's new episodes of, of reruns. It's weird. Like being, it is, and it's traumatizing. Yeah, being black in America is such a uniquely traumatic experience that only I think black people could un could truly understand. I think part of mine is too, it's like I'm black and then I've had also the trauma of being from the Caribbean, I'm Haitian. Mm. And like seeing anything that's happened over and over again, even the stuff that's going on with Haiti right now, I don't feel like we're safe anywhere. Yeah. White supremacy is a disease, man. And James Baldwin said it the best, to be a Negro in this country and to be you know, somewhat conscious is to be in a, 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 a constant state of rage. That's very true. So what she's feeling is absolutely accurate. It's okay to feel like that, by the way. All right. Thank you for calling, Mama. Hello, who's this? My name is Anonymous. Hey, Anonymous. How you feeling? We can't see you. This is the radio. <laughs> you don't have to say Anonymous. You can just give a fake name. <laughs> My name is Angie. How are you doing? Hi, Angie. Hi, Angie. What's happening? My name is Mikel. Shut up, man. Nice to meet you, Miguel. Hey. Shut up. How you feeling, Angie? Uh, feeling a little distraught today because I'm on my way to court for a civil commitment, which means that I'm going to court to be told whether they're not going to put me in a hospital or if I'm going to continue outpatient because of some things that happened pertaining to my job. So, uh, you know, COVID was a rough year for everybody. Mm. And what I saw at first is yes. not enough people care about what was going on within the people. And I got a little loud and things kind of went upside down. I don't think there's anything wrong with you getting a little loud. I think that we need to get louder. I think that the greatest the greatest trick that they've pulled on us is telling us that they, they do things to trigger us, do things to make us angry and tell us that we can't come off as angry. No, get angry. Yeah, I was told to be quiet and, and you know, not say certain things within the occupation that I had, which was government, the local county that I, I live in. So, right. you know, that caused a lot of problems for me because telling someone that they needed to come back to work after things happened in their life with with COVID going on, that was not good for me. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sending you healing energy. I'm sending you healing energy. Can I, I'm, I guess I'm sending it to your fake name since you gave us a fake name. Angie. Angie, but I'm sending you healing energy, Angie. Well, that's right. my middle name. Oh, that's your middle name? Okay. okay. Uh-oh, don't give too much information. No, but I'm glad that you were able to call and express yourself. Sometimes people need to just verbalize how they feel, too. That helps a little. That's right. Well, thank you, Mama. All right, well, 800-585-1051. Call us. Let me know how you're feeling out there.
It's a wellness check this morning. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. I know it, man. I like it. Call me. Add your opinion to the Breakfast Club top. Come on. 800-585-1051. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're just doing a wellness check this morning, calling, speaking to everybody out there, seeing how you're feeling. Hello, who's this? Hello, this is Tayon. Hey, uh, how you feeling today, bro? Just want to address the topic of officers getting their gun confused with their tasers. Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Um, uh, like, they need to do, like, an intelligent investigation. Like, do they wait? Do the guns weigh the same? Are they on the same side? Are the grips the same? Do they release from the holster the same? That's a lot of questions that need to be asked on how can an officer who's been in the force for over 20 years confuse their gun with their taser? Is it logically possible to do that? You Aren't look- you trained to, yes, they to should be in these gunful situations? Haven't you been in these situations before? Like, mistakes like this can't happen. No, you can't. It's malpractice. And like I said, you know, law enforcement is the only place where, you know, there is no consequences and repercussions to malpractice. It's like, really, the grip the same on the gun and the taser. They have to weigh different. Like, they they do weigh different. Yeah, they do. They do weigh different. When you pull your finger and raise it, and when you pull your finger and raise it at a point, you don't see that it looks different? Like, what are you looking at? Of course they do. Pray for America. A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A. I'm not praying for America. I'm praying America get exactly what it deserves. Okay? Because that's the only way things are going to change. Things are going to change when everybody gets exactly what they deserve. And don't get it twisted. America got it coming. Okay, Rome has fallen, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to another caller. Hello, who's this? This is Pete. Hey, good morning. How you feeling this morning? Good. How are you? Are you really good? I'm doing well. Are you really good? I'm pissed off. Okay, that's what I want to hear. Tell Tell us about it. Feel your feels. Go. I mean, she knew what she was doing. It's modern-day slavery, basically. I mean, they're just legally killing the whole black community. Feels that way. Mm -hmm. Feels that way. Mm -hmm. And don't feel bad about it. No repercussions. Getting away with it. Like, 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 I just made a mistake. It was an accident. Mm -hmm. It was not an accident. Right. That's what I'm saying. Their excuse is always it was an accident or they'll say like it's your fault because you did this and they try to justify it. You could have video footage and everything and audio and still somehow they're able to get away with it. No repercussions. Right. Question. Are you black or white, man? No end to this. Unless there's no end to this. Like, I feel like if George Floyd's killer does not get any type of punishment, then the whole world is going to blow up. Like, I, I'm so beyond. There's no, like, words. Like, I'm shaking right now. Like, this this poor man who just got shot for no reason, and there's going to be no justice for him. There is going to be no justice. You're, there's no hope. There's no justice. You're, 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 you're white, right? Uh, I'm mixed. I'm Hispanic and white. Okay. I mean, listen, I don't I don't care either way because I'm happy because, you know, we need all hands on deck. If you're a human that cares about other humans, you know, we need each other right now. We need it like we need accomplices, mm-hmm. not allies. And everybody has the right to be angry and everybody has a right to express that anger because I keep quoting Zora Neale Hurston because it's true. If we're silent about our pain, they'll kill us and say we enjoyed it. I mean, I had to show my 10-year-old children, a, a little five-year-old boy, getting berated by cops to show them you cannot trust these cops. Mm. I had mm. to cry and show them that you cannot trust cops. Like, they have to know that they're not in a safe world. 
I mean, it's sad and it's scary. I mean, and, and like you said, with anxiety, like with Charlemagne and, and you said earlier, I mean, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know if, if, if you're nervous to let your kids go to school because of mass shootings. You don't know if, if, if you're your nervous trauma. to let your son drive because they're killing uh, unarmed black men. You don't know if you if it's safe to take them to the mall. You know what I mean, you just, it's, it's, everything is so scary. It's just You just want to create your own fort and just live in it and, and never leave. Like, pick, it's that scary. Pick your own trauma. And why do I envision you building a fort in your bedroom and Gia asking you what the hell is your problem? Why? Why, why is you everything with about pillows? me in my bedroom? Why when is everything you, about me in my bedroom? When you build a fort, do you do it with pillows? What do you use, Envy? You why use is pillows? everything about me in my or do you, bedroom, Or do you man? use the cushions, the cushions on the couch? I use the cushions on the couch, but... Those are the best. They sturdy. They, def- they definitely sturdier than pillows. Mm-hmm. What's the moral of the story, man? Why? I hate you, man. The moral of We were just this- letting people call in and express themselves there's a lot going on sometimes people aren't able to verbalize that sometimes people don't even ask you how are you doing yeah I'll tell you the moral of the story man James Baldwin because everybody out there needs to feel their feels and if you feel angry that's perfectly fine if you got a lot of anxiety that's perfectly fine because as James Baldwin said to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time All right. well we got rumors on the way E Yes, and let's talk about Drake. Looks like he'll be on the next Drink Champs. And we'll tell you some things we do know that will be addressed. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I've never met... Uh, uh, this guy knows nothing about Latinos, bro. Man, what are you talking about? Dramos. Oh, yeah. I'll be asking him questions and he don't have no answers. Shut He's up. fake. It's All right, sad. Well, we are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to rumors. Let's talk DMX. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. Rumor, rumor, rumor. On The Breakfast Club. So listen up. Well, well, looks like Nori might have that sit down with Drake coming soon. Now, he said, he posted a picture with Drake. He said, champagne, oh, he said, you see my face and you know why I'm here. Champagne poppy, but who's who? Over your drink champs loading. And then he put certified lover boy loading. A lot of people don't know, but I squashed the beef between DMX and Drake through my boy 40, but we will save that for drink champs. Got a big up OBO 40, Armand and Fancy. That's a fact. Nori definitely uh, uh, smoothed that over. All right, so let's revisit what exactly happened. Now, when DMX was on The Breakfast Club in 2012, I asked what he thought about Drake. We were talking about a lot of different artists naming people, and here's what happened. What about Drake? You like Drake? No. I don't like anything about Drake. Mm-hmm. Mom, I, I don't like his voice. I don't, I don't like, I don't like what he talks about. I don't, I don't. Jeez, I be trying to I tell his face. I don't like the way he walks. Like nothing. I don't like his haircut. I might just let me shut up. I'll just stop right there. Have you uh, been converted to a Drake fan yet? No. What do you think about the new Aaliyah album now? Disrespectful. Like, 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 I, like that don't even make sense. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, like you can't, you can't do shit like that. That's like wrong, man. Like, I wish it was like maybe seven years ago, where you know you catch. Elevator beat him up. <laughs> that was the first time we interviewed DMX and the second time we interviewed mm-hmm. you DMX. All right, man. well, in, in 2016, he changed his tune, though, and he had some more positive things to say. Listen to what he said about Drake. You weren't a fan of Drake at first. I did always say that he was a talented lyricist, but I was not a fan. You're right. Mm-hmm. I was not. And um, another humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Of course, we were like, yo, you didn't like this dude for all the wrong reasons. But, you know, there was other reasons, you know, we were giving all that. But for him to take the effort first to want to use a song of mine, you know what I'm saying? And then to be man enough to reach out and make that call, I was like, <clears throat> homie, hats off, man. That was a real move. 
That's going to make for a great Drink Champs story. And I'm a person mm-hmm. who feels like you have to have at least a 10-year career to be on Drink Champs. Drake has that. So I would love to see Drake drinking Virginia Black which is his bourbon and popping bottles of loyalty, which is Jay Prince's wine. I would love to see him doing that on uh, Drink Champs. And if Drake does Drink Champs, boy, I'm going to have the Black Effect and iHeartRadio promote that podcast like Oprah promoted her sit-down with Meghan Markle and um, Harry Potter. What's his name? His name is definitely not Harry Potter, but we know who you mean. Yes. And can I also say, too, that Nori, and I'm not saying this because he's my friend and business partner. I'm saying this because it's true. Drink Champs is the best platform for hip-hop right now. Because Nori and DJ Effin created a lane five years ago to give OG hip-hop artists a platform, and it's grown into something special. And over the past, I would probably say a year, nobody's doing OG hip-hop uh, conversations better than Drink Champs, man. Drop Hell on- no. Shout to Nori, it's man. It's not even close. Drop one of the clues bombs for Nori and DJ Effin. Nori listens every morning, too. Morning, All right, bro. give it up for Nori. That's right. Yay! Make some noise for Nori! Drink Champs! Make sure you check out uh, Drink Champs on the Black Effect iHeartRadio podcast network. All right. Now, LL Cool J is not feeling the fact that people are calling him the forefather of pop rap. It was a whole discussion that was happening. And uh, LL Cool J said, me being called the forefather of pop rap is very confusing. What the F are y'all talking about? So people were talking about I Need Love. And they were saying that was like one of the beginning songs of pop rap. Listen to I Need Love in case you... I don't know. But mainstream. In the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call. Telling me I need a girl. She's as sweet as a. Shut up. I see I need love. There I was. Giggling about the games. You suck, boy. Chill out. You got to tell him to shut up and then you start singing. I was on beat, though. No, you wasn't. I was on beat. No, you wasn't. First of all, hip hop is pop culture. And it's been pop culture for a long time. Pop culture is just short for popular. So, I Need Love was a very, very popular record. It's not a pop, it's definitely not a pop sounding record by any means, but I understand what people mean when they say hip hop is pop no, culture. That ain't no pop record. That wasn't a pop record. He was rapping. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this record for pop radio. Well, pop Did you listen to anything that I said just now? No, I didn't. I pop you. I, pop I know you is short for popular. Yeah, but. Hip hop no. has been the most popular genre and culture for a long time. Yes, it's not a pop. They didn't mean it record. like that. They meant pop sounding. No, in they my didn't. Opinion. There's no way they could have meant it like that. It just means it crossed over to mainstream, basically, yes. to be on the pop charts as well. That's all by definition. But that's not saying that hip hop and rap is not. That is what is popular. That's yes, right. it is. Hip hop is pop culture. Sorry, guys and gals. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. All right, DJ Mustard is saying that his personal shoppers stole over $50,000 from him and spent it on bags and shoes. He even posted a screenshot of a conversation where she actually apologized to him, and he added her. He said, at Chanel Dijon, we let her use the stylist word so she could get business, but the truth is she did nothing but shop. Today, I found out that she ran my credit cards up over 50 k buying stuff for herself, purses, shoes, shades, and other stuff. I'm hot, and I'm only writing this so nobody else deals with her. She's bad for business. I have all... All the receipts to prove everything. I paid her more than she was worth because I don't play with taking care of people that do their jobs. He was paying her 6000 per month, he said. And wow. after calculating, she could have good and well racked up over 100000 in expenses. She ran up 15000 in Louis Vuitton alone on herself. He can said I, for some effing Instagram likes. Can I play White Devil's Advocate for just a second? Mm-hmm. Technically, it's not like the personal shopper didn't do what you paid her to do. Is it defined that personal shoppers only buy stuff for you? Yes, it is, you dumbass. Yeah, I'll pay you $6,000 a month for yourself. Are you kidding me? 
That's what I'm saying. Is it defined that I'm only personally <laughs> shopping for you? Yes, you don't Is, that, can't is buy... that in writing? Is yes. that part of the job description? It's known. You just said personal shopping. I did some personal shopping. I bought me a few things. No, you can't do that. Not if I pay you, no. <laughs> just ask All me. right, well, that that is your rumor report. All right. Six thousand dollars is a lot of month to go, a lot of money a month to go personally shopping for somebody. Yeah, because she probably had money to do other stuff. And you know, on the scamming lines, I saw that this stripper had posted that she was upset that Usher didn't pay the strippers with uh, real money. He used some Usher bucks, some Usher bucks, and she said the, the money d- does not have a trading value whatsoever. Don't y'all think he should be blasted on social media for this? She said she danced all night and Usher threw that, but. It looks like the story is a little different. I see multiple other people saying that what really happened was he did pay money and he was throwing money all night, but somebody left the Usher Bucks as like kind of a joke. And it's something that he's doing to promote his uh, Vegas residency. And he just threw out some Usher Bucks. They threw out some that's, Usher Bucks. That's but, something Charlemagne and, would do. First of all, God bless that savage named Usher Raymond the Fourth. Drop on the clues bombs for Usher, Usher Raymond the Fourth. I don't see anything wrong with what he did. See? You have to know your worth. What, what's, what's knowing your worth more than having your own currency? Okay? May not mean anything to anybody. Currency, don't, it's not worth nothing. Well, who says who? I'm, it's, it's, it's all about what you put value on. Okay? It's savings. Yo, shut up. Listen, man. it's savings. Treat these ush bucks the way you would treat a $2 bill. Hold on to it. Put it, it could away. be an NFT. Maybe it could be that, an NFT. Ooh, see, come on. Yeah, there you go. There thinking. you go. There you go. Thinking. The ush bucks Yo, NFT. Go ahead right. and make 160000 off of these ush bucks. I, you play around if you want. You take them ush bucks to a store, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, <laughs> or any bucks. of them other stores, you're getting arrested. Don't even take it to McDonald's. Wherever you go, dollar store, you're going to get arrested <laughs> with the ush bucks. I want usher. I really, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I really need Usher to do a versus. I need somebody to step up and get that smoke, get that slang that Usher Raymond is going to give them. Because I am so tired of y'all disrespecting Usher Raymond the fourth. The like, winner gets a million Usher bucks. That's right. Y'all keep acting like Usher Raymond the fourth, not a whole legend, a whole goat out here yes. with a with a with a damn near unbeatable catalog. But who said okay. he's not? You. No, I did not. Yes, you did. You I told did me not. Chris Brown could get Usher in a versus. I did, when did you hear that? All right. It's on I video. think we said it depends on whose was, song is up against whose. You I don't know. care you what song know. you play. Usher it's got nuclear weapons. And I need him to get his flowers because y'all be disrespecting Usher oh Raymond the fourth way too much out here. Not talking to you anymore. <laughs> like he not the U-S-H-E-R-R-A-Y-M-O-N-D. So you want to say what's the D, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) All All right, right. guys, we got to end the show. (laughs) All right, well, that was your rumor report. The mix is up next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning, Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Peace to the planet. Charlemagne the God here. This year has been tough on mental health. Gentle Mind is here to help. Gentle Mind has developed an innovative new tool for groundbreaking insights into your unique genetic predispositions. Go to mentalhealthmap.com to be empowered on your mental health and well-being. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Uh, and shout out to everybody again. I always talk about the car show. I'm just so excited about all you guys supporting me. And I just want to say thank you. Also, what we're doing now is, you know, people ask, how am I going to get all the cars down to Atlanta? We do have a lot of cars in Atlanta and people are submitting their cars. And you can submit your car if you want to put your car in the car show. But we're actually doing a rally to the car show. So we're driving from New York. We're starting off at the radio station and we're driving to Atlanta two days. So it's going to be a lot of fun. If you want to drive from, you know, hang with us, rally to the car show. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a pace car. So nobody's going to be speeding. We're going to do it at a nice 
pace. So ye, well, you speed, so ye, you can't go. But anybody else, you can definitely come rally to the car show. It's going to be an amazing time. It's the first week in July, so just look out for that. Why the hell is it going to take I y'all two pulled, days? I we're going to stop in Charlotte first. Oh. We're going to stop in Charlotte first because it, it'll be like an 11-hour ride, 12-hour ride. So that's a lot for people. So we ride, you know, eight hours to Charlotte and then three, four hours the next day. Make an experience out of it. Got you. All right. You got a positive note? What was you saying? I said I did get pulled over for speeding over the weekend since Envy said I speed a lot. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? But that's the first time that I got pulled over for that in like years. Probably about, I would say, maybe a decade. Did you get a ticket? Actually, he gave me a warning. Thank you so much, officer. My goodness. Well, what's your little Charlemagne? Well, I want to tell y'all too, man. Make sure, uh, well, thank you to everybody who's downloaded um, We've Got Answers on Audible. Uh, it's an audio book that I dropped a couple of weeks ago um, for, you know, any white people who are looking for answers to questions that they may have, you know what I'm saying? And black people that are tired of answering questions that white people have, just point them to this project. We've Got Answers on Audible. It's free with an Audible membership. And my positive note is simply this. Stop shrinking yourself to fit places you've clearly outgrown. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy, and we're back, and we're kicking it with Mountain Dew, and we're talking about their Real Change Opportunity Fund. Now, the Real Change Opportunity Fund is uplifting Black entrepreneurs. And right now, we have a special person on the line right now, and I hate the fact that it's Zoom because I would love to actually see these people in person. Now, we have... Nicole Portwood. Now, she joined PepsiCo in September 2018 as Vice President of Marketing for Mountain Dew Energy and Flavors, leading 360-degree brand marketing strategy across the portfolio. Nicole joined PepsiCo from Tito's Homemade Vodka, where she led branding for nine years in Austin, Texas. Now, Nicole was instrumental in developing this program for Black entrepreneurs. So, ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Portwood. Hey, Envy. It's great to be here with you. Oh, thanks for, for joining me. So let's talk about this program. How did this program get created and why did it start? So we announced the Real Change Opportunity Fund on the heels of PepsiCo, our parent company, announcing our $400 million commitment to uplift Black communities and Black representation. At Mountain Dew, we recognized that there was this immediate need for us to take action as a brand and to do what we could to, to really drive tangible change in the specific fight against systemic racism and inequality faced by Black people in America. We really felt like entrepreneurs are the key to closing the wealth gap that has been in place for far too long and is really based on systemic racism throughout our history. Entrepreneurs really exemplify what Mountain Dew is all about. They're the doers, right? They're the ones who are getting out there, uh, changing their lives, changing the world and changing things for the black community. So the Real Change Opportunity Fund is our way to build hope, to inspire lasting impact and empower that next generation of entrepreneurs. Now, why HBCUs? You know, HBCUs play a, such a crucial role in personal and professional development. I went to an HBCU, Hampton University, what's up? But why, you know, HBCUs? Why that route? Um, you know, as a brand, this is the first time that we've developed something official in partnering with HBCUs. But PepsiCo overall has fostered and developed relationships across HBCUs by launching programs like She Got Now and the 2020 Virtual Marching Band Performance. So this is our opportunity to put a stake in the ground and really solidify our own relationship with HBCUs because that's how you invest in talent from these legacy schools. That's how you make sure you're investing at the root and identifying those brilliant minds that are going to change the future. Now, $1 million prize pool. Now, what is that going to do for the community? Like that is a lot of money. 
It is. And we are so excited to be able to give this uh, to, to the, the winning entrepreneurs and these incredible, incredibly talented, brilliant people who brought their ideas to us. Um, this was driven by the recognition that Black entrepreneurs tend to receive less funding than non-Black entrepreneurs. Like that's a real insight in what's happening in the world. And we have an opportunity to shift that dynamic. So this $1 million is meant to really inspire and empower some of the best and brightest Black entrepreneurs out there. So do and our panel of expert doers, including you, are going to be providing not only the opportunity for this prize pool, but insight and feedback and mentorship to these finalists. And we're going to give them this platform to tell their story so that not only, uh, like I said, they have this opportunity to win the money, but it's going to shine a light on the incredible ideas that they have, the momentum that they've built um, and the future that they have. So money to be had, a platform to tell the story. And we're hoping that that inspires the community to, to get out there and reach for their dreams and drives additional entrepreneurialism. So um, yeah, not only are the, uh, the contestants going to receive a portion of that million dollar prize pool, but each HBCU that they come from is also going to receive an award fund that's dedicated to creating real change at those universities. Yeah, I was going to ask, money is great. Like everybody wants money, but guided. So how are they going to definitely get that guidance besides the panelists? Because you just can't give somebody a bunch of money and be like, go do it on your own because they might not know. So how important is the guidance? I think that's a critical part of what we're doing and how we're engaging with these entrepreneurs. You know, they had an opportunity to meet with some of our judges prior to the actual competition, go through mentorship sessions, hear from business leaders who can give them insight into the kind of challenges they're going to face, really begin to prod at their ideas and start to ask the difficult questions that they're going to need to answer as they grow their businesses and look for incremental funding. You're right that sometimes too much money with a seed of an idea can be difficult because they don't necessarily know uh, where to invest it or what's the next best problem to solve. But that's where we're really leaning in on a mentorship um, and, and guidance platform to make sure we stay engaged with these folks. Now, tomorrow's the competition, right? So now what are you looking forward to see during this competition? I mean, because I don't know what to expect. I don't know what they're going to be pitching. Is it going to be apps? Is it going to be, you know, Brick and mortar, like I don't know what we should be expecting. What are you expecting? What are you looking forward to tomorrow? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but I can tell you that based on the applications that we've received, we know that all of these entrepreneurs are going to be bringing their A game for the final round. There's going to be really stiff competition. These are some of the best and brightest out there. And the ideas range from tangible things to technology, all of them, all of them geared toward having a massive impact, not just for the entrepreneur themselves, but for their community. And that's that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing, how the dynamic of the idea is going to make real change. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this tomorrow and I will see you tomorrow. And thank you for joining us so much. All right. Thank you, Envy. I really appreciate the time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Nicole Portwood, thank you.